Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cocaine Cowboys, the deadly rise of Ireland's drug lords. The live show is on sale now. We're on the road on February 10th at the Lime Tree Theatre in Limerick, February 15th in Cork's Everyman Theatre, and on Sunday 18th, we're back at Dublin's Three Olympia. April takes us to Galway's Town Hall Theatre, Killarney's INEC, and Belfast's Waterfront Studios. Check mcd.ie or venue for ticket sales. They were quite adept in yeah. making sure that they stayed under the radar and just, just got on with business. There was a whole slew of international drug dealers based in you know, West Cork and, and Cork City who were, who were shipping in direct from South America. So, I mean, that element was always there. When he was arrested in, in March 2020, he was described as being one of the main suppliers of heroin in Cork City at the time. I don't think these criminal convictions actually reflect the level of criminality that he's involved in. I'm Nicola Talent. And you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. A convicted killer and drug dealer has been jailed in the same week the Criminal Assets Bureau seized his county Cork home. John Keith O'Donovan's run of bad luck saw Cab granted a high court order to have his house declared the proceeds of crime just days before he added to his 51 criminal convictions. Today, I'm talking to Eamon Dillon about the mid-level Cork criminal, described as one of the region's most prolific heroin suppliers to the city. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Eamon, a Cork drug dealer has had a really bad run of luck and everything kind of came on top of him at the one time. Yeah, I think uh, John Keith O'Donovan had a bad week last week, all right? Yeah. On Wednesday, he lost his house to the Criminal Assets Bureau and on Friday, he got another year in jail. Right. Adding to his, I think, 51 criminal convictions that he's had over the years. I suppose he's, he's one of these guys that we always get inter- interested in all of a sudden. Um, he's probably very well known in wh- where he's from, you know, originally grown a bar in, in kind of North uh, Cork City. Like when, when the, the cab case came up earlier this year, originally in May, um, and, and not a lot was said about it. Plus he had the, the circuit case ahead of him. So there was we were kind of uh, restrained yeah. and about how much we could really write about his mm. background at that stage. But he ended up pleading guilty to um, 
a possession of a small amount of drugs and and cash in his house. So he was charged with money laundering and and with possession with intent to supply. And I suppose the circumstances of his arrest in May 2020 were of interest as well in that there was a tip off from the guards that he was on his way to Dublin to buy heroin from a contact there. Um, and then on the way back, they, they were coming through Mallow um, and there was a checkpoint, a guard at checkpoint. Now, they were actually under surveillance and the, I think there was the armed support unit were, were there, like with the uniform. Um, and I think they needed some encouragement to stop it. He was, he was shot um, and grazed with a bullet in the shoulder. So that was, I suppose, the start of his bad luck. And that case then wrapped up last Friday when he pleaded guilty. And May 2020 was COVID days. I mean, oh, sorry, we it wasn't May, it was March. March. And, and it, was literally, I, I, it was literally two days before the full lockdown, oh, but really? restrictions had already started. Right. So there had been guarded checkpoints about, I think at that time, making sure people were kind of, you know, not, you know the likes of the St. Patrick's Day parades had all been cancelled. The rugby internationals had been cancelled. All that sort of stuff, you know, at the pubs had shut at that stage. There wasn't so much Just, traffic on the roads either because people were sort of starting to have to work from home and all the rest of it. And I remember at that stage there was quite a swathe of drug dealers were lifted while they were kind of moving their product and all the rest of it. And clearly he was one of the earliest ones of those. Yeah, obviously when the tide goes out, all the rocks are bare. Yeah, indeed, so, indeed. Or maybe they were in a panic to get, you know, to get their supply in and quick knowing that, yeah. you know, it, it was going to be difficult to move around. And so, heroin, of course, was going to be the drug that, I mean, initially it was felt maybe cocaine would see a dip because it was this recreational drug and there was nothing open and people wouldn't be going out. I don't think that actually played out, but heroin... I think is that 24-7 drug that people take it because they're addicted to it and nothing's going to stop the trade of it. Yeah. And uh, now when the car was actually stopped, it was cocaine that was found despite the tip-off and the, it was the passenger that was eventually charged with that. He wasn't charged with the cocaine. But right. when they searched his house, house, they found a kind of a mix. Um, I, I think it, 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 it was a mix of, um, you know, cutting agents um, and, and Xanax and as well as the cash, I think about 9,000 euro. Um, hidden in a sock. Now they kind of they went through, like in the cab case and the affidavit, they go through his criminal convictions, um, and a lot of it is is nuisance enough. Um, but one of them was for manslaughter, where he stabbed, you know, pretty much randomly a neighbour that, you know, basically a drunken row, mm. and 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 his neighbour was stabbed in the groin and bled to death. And this is somebody they grew up with, you know, people they knew, the, the family were friends, the whole lot. Um, and he was initially himself and another man were convicted of murder. And then on appeal, that was quashed. And on a mm. retrial, then he pleaded guilty to manslaughter. And a jury, luckily enough for him, found him not guilty of murder at that time. So he, he got a seven-year sentence for that. And then after that, then he got a, not too long after he got out, he got another seven-year sentence then when he was caught with a gun. And I suppose one of the lines from the, the, the Criminal Assets Bureau affidavit would have been, I don't think the, uh, these criminal convictions actually reflect the level of criminality that he's involved in. So like he, he was always a player. At that stage, when he was arrested in, in March 2020, he was described as being one of the main suppliers of heroin in Cork City at the time. Mm. So like he, he, wasn't, he wasn't small time. Now, you know, there, there was different issues made of whether, you know, he, he was an addict himself, but he was very much a dealer. I mean, the, you know, the, the, what was found in his house was very much, you know, if, you're, if you have mixing agents there, you're not just using it for yourself, you're, you're, you're moving the stuff on. And he was described as that, so a heroin dealer um, in the Cork area. And of course, heroin came to Cork about 10 years after it's initially started causing huge problems in Dublin. But I mean, it is a very heavily used drug in the Cork area. And obviously because there's a very 
organised, orchestrated supply chain. And, you know, while John Keith O'Donovan's, you know, the cab case and there has been, he's after getting a year in prison, he seems to be one of those, you know, outside Dublin dealers who's made connections probably with the family who are the big, big heroin suppliers and who were growing at that point um, and becoming the number one target of the Drugs and Organised Crime Bureau. The family were prolific heroin suppliers and and are so, but they were one of the gangs that kind of grew after the cl- clampdown on the Kinahan organisation. And I think they started supplying a lot of the uh, wholesalers outside Dublin who the Kinahans had once supplied. Yeah, and and this is, I mean, he was caught because the, like, and O'Donovan was caught because the, there was information that he was on his way to a contact in Lucan to to collect his, uh, a batch of heroin. Uh, and, and that person then was described as somebody who was known to be involved in drugs. He's originally from Clondalkin and had been previously charged with a significant amount of uh, heroin in his possession and a submachine gun as well. Now, he was never... The case was dropped. There was another prosecutor entered when that person was was due to come before the courts. But like, I mean, his background suggests that, you know, you know, he's that person in himself is closely linked to those Ballyfermot gangs, such as, mm. well, not such as, but, you know, that's pretty much the family the who family, are in control yeah. there. I mean, there would be other, I suppose, lesser dealers that, you know, might be dealing or, or, or subcontracting to, to people like O'Donovan and Cork or whoever, you know, whether it's Athlone or, mm. you know, the, the various towns around the, the country now that all have their own heroin scene, their own group of people that are, are, are using the whole time. We don't hear a huge amount of, uh, you know, criminals like himself from from the Cork area. There's been always a kind of a glut of information from there. I think in the Sunday world in particular, we found that there's a lot, there was always a lot of sort of IRA activity down in Cork and there was a feeling that the drug dealers were m- mainly contained. But I think evidence on the streets down there in recent years shows that there is any amount of drugs available. Yeah, and there was. Um, I mean, we did another cab case not so long ago and there was kind of a description of you know, people getting off a bus and walking around buying is, you know, uh, you know, a serious drug dealer. I mean, there always has been. I suppose you could. It's quite possibly that they've just been a bit cuter. They haven't got involved in shooting wars like mm-hmm. you know the counterparts in Limerick. Um, I mean, o- over the years, uh, y- you know, some people have come out of Cork. That it's quite staggering how big they've gotten before we've gotten to hear about them. You know, they were they were quite adept in yeah. making sure that they stayed under the radar and just just got on with business. And I mean, and we know like, you know, going way back, I mean, you've covered it in your your, your recent cocaine book, um, you know, that there was a whole slew of international drug dealers based in, you know, from, you know, West Cork and, and mm. Cork City who were, who were shipping in direct from, uh, you, you know, South America. So, I mean, there was, that element was always there. Um, and maybe that's why, you know, we never got kind of the, the stupid, you know, street feuding going on because there was such a, a potentially heavy element in the background that we're just able to simply and quickly keep a lid on things. And there was also that Cork Mafia, of course, who were very heavily connected with George the Penguin Mitchell. Um, Alan Buckley, who was... What happened, I think, from what I know of Cork, you had a lot of these dealers who were probably dealing in the city where there was a, you know, a lot of clientele, but they were living kind of outside in some of the villages outside the city. You had Alan Buckley running a um, an antique shop and you had others who were down there and they were linked directly in with Mitchell. In actual fact, when Gardy raided Mitchell's 
ecstasy making factory. It was he and Alan Buckley that were suspected of running that. A lot of that Cork, original Cork mafia fled after the Criminal Assets Bureau set up because they did very much target Cork. And of course, Barry Galvin was put in as the the solicitor there, a Cork man who had spoken openly on the Late Late Show about the problem Cork had with a lot of criminals that were hiding out down there that were kind of looking as if they were legitimate businessmen, but in the background were running massive big drug operations. And almost the focus of CAB onto that part of the country in the early days did see them flee to become major wholesalers in Europe. We kind of passed our problem on to other countries. But um, that Cork Mafia certainly were the, the big players back then. And since then, we have sort of individuals popping up, but there's no clear gang. And as you say, they're not feuding. Yeah, and, and even if you see with O'Donovan, the fact that he was traveling to Dublin to buy, you know, supply, you know, rather than it being delivered or someone yeah. else, um, you know, so it, you know that there wasn't somebody directly importing heroin into into Cork that it was coming via Dublin, you know, suggests that maybe they're just not at the same level, mm. uh, and that I suppose heroin is one of those kind of uh, niche areas that. That some drug dealers will deal everything except heroin. They do feel, oh, that's a, a step too far. As if somehow running a you know a murderous cocaine gang is fair enough, but a heroin dealing is spreading misery. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, and somehow somehow it's seen as as a you know a, a, I suppose it's down the pecking order in the criminal world that if you're if you're if you're dealing heroin that there's you know there's something wrong with you that you're, you're just you're you're making it obvious you're completely amoral. Like whereas. I suppose with the other drugs, you can argue it's recreational and people are making a choice whether they go out and enjoy themselves at the mm-hmm. weekends or not. Whereas heroin, you know, after, I mean, it's well documented by so many people who've written their own memoirs about their opiate addiction and that, you know, the high is gone very soon afterwards. But you, you, the physical addiction is is what kind of makes the money in the long run for the for the dealer. So, I mean, it, it's it is. guaranteed it's, it's, yeah. money so, uh, in, isn't I mean, it? It's the, it's the least ethical, I suppose, version of being a drug dealer. So what about O'Donovan and where was this house that he had purchased or that the cab have now seized? Yeah, Mona Taggart is the townland and it is, it's, it's, it's north, northeast of Cork City. Sorry, it's northwest of Cork City. Um, uh, uh, and it is literally in the middle of nowhere. Now, he bought it for £20,000 in 1996. Uh, but again, they were suggesting that it was now worth it was it was now worth about two hundred thousand euros. So it was worth, mm-hmm. you know, the criminal assets bureau is worth the while going after it. Um, you know, looking at it, it's kind of it's surrounded now by kind of you know the, the fabulous country mansions that are been built by other people. And this, you know, it's still it's pretty much a kind of a small little cottage on a, a sliver of land. But you know, it's in it's in. It's in a nice area. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it is It is very rural. And, and was he living in it? And what are, what was he also in a council house in the city? No, he, he was, well, look, I mean, these guys move around, you yeah. know, and, and they're in they're in different they're in different places. But he was, he was very much the, the sole occupant of that house. I mean, this is where they found the drugs. So this is where, you know, I'm sure his neighbours would have been pretty horrified to find that they're, they're rural idle. Yeah. They were sharing it with a, a city drug dealer. Um, I mean, he, like his family home was Spriggs Road, his mother's house, which was also originally part of the the Criminal Assets Bureau, um, I suppose, legal action against them. But that that was an, there was an agreement reached in in that, and that was returned to the mother. That was considered both were legitimate means, as were a number of bank accounts that had been frozen, and some of that was returned as well. Now there was, I think, in total about nine thousand um, in one account, and then there was the cash that was seized in his house. 
and, and that that was all you know now deemed the proceeds of crime. But um, but in terms of his mother, um, her story was accepted by the judge. You know, mm-hmm. she she had she had offered her own affidavits. You know, um, showing that she had worked all her life and that she had saved you know a modest amount of money and that. Uh, the assets that had been identified as cab as potentially being the proceeds of crime he, were deemed not to be. Um, and she was able to keep her property as a result of that. Or, well, she certainly was able to settle with cab and the house was returned to her. And so the house was bought so long ago. And how did cab unravel the finances then? Are they able to go back that far into bank accounts, into social welfare payments, into people's, you know, tax returns? Well, in this case, it was simple enough in that they just knew he'd been living there and he was the only one and the mother in whose name this house was bought never left Spriggs Road. So she was never in the house that was in her name. Right. And then just to make it really easy for them, uh, I think just last year, or I could even, sorry, it was actually just last October, uh, he put the house, O'Donovan put the house up for sale and he was the only person dealing with the estate agents and he represented himself as being the sole and only person uh, with an interest in this property. So I mean, and look, I mean, it was it was it was pretty much admitted in the end that this house kind of was shot himself his. in the foot. In other words, yes, after being accidentally shot in the shoulder, or yeah. shot not accidentally, but being shot in the well, shoulder. Well, haven't hidden out there for a long time, and haven't you know hidden? You know, he has his his convictions and all the rest of it, but he managed to hang on to that asset for a long time. Well, I mean, it did help, I suppose, being in jail for fourteen years. You know, you're not going to get into too much trouble, like in terms of your house. I mean. You know, he bought it in 96. I mean, he, he was in prison, you know, from about 2000 and whatever it was, 2002 or 2001 for at least five years. And then again, from 2010 till, you know, probably about 2015 again. So, I mean, he got, he got two seven-year sentences and there was other sentences involved in between. He spent a lot of time in prison. Mm. So, you know, he's managed to get into a lot of trouble despite being in prison all those years. I mean, he's certainly, he's racked up a lot. And as, you know, as was said, like it didn't really reflect his his involvement in crime, those convictions that he has. No, the um, the local profilers that are trained up by the Criminal Assets Bureau are excellent at identifying sometimes these, the likes of O'Donovan, who appears to have been easy pickings for the state to have taken that home probably valued at over 200,000 into the state coffers. That's a nice little payday for the state. Um, But those profilers are trained up all over the country and they're trained to identify, you know, local dealers, criminals and identify their assets. And and even, yeah, uh, you know, and and so sometimes the guys make it simple. For instance, when O'Donovan was arrested in Mallow after being um, stopped, he, he was uh, he, he had his mother's bank card on him, and his excuse was that he'd lost his. His mother gave him gave him hers, so they had a bank account to go on, and and they were looking at you know the patterns and and what went in, and you know in some cases one or two of these bank accounts money went in and never moved, so they weren't being used to as you know as somebody living out of. They were kind of what age is he? The cash there. He's 49, I think, yeah. now, or something Not like sure that. Or sure. my mother would give me her bank card if I lost mine. But. Well, it depends how much money you give your mother. If you <laughs> buy a house in her name, she might. Yes, indeed. So anyway, what else had the, the cab to say about him? And was there a suggestion that he had an organized gang around him? Or is he a sole trader as such? Coming across, like, he, he seems to... You know, he seemed to be one of these kind of chaotic individuals when you look at the, the court cases involved in in the murder and then manslaughter trials that he went through. Um, you know, this is a guy out drinking and got into an argument because, you know, a neighbor, an old friend of his wouldn't let him in to join a party that was going on in the early hours of the morning. 
So you're kind of wondering just how kind of serious a criminal he is. But to some extent, I suppose he he matured along along the way, um, whether it was for reasons of his own addiction purposes or whether, you know, he was getting smarter at it. But, uh, you know, he, he was the main supplier of heroin in 2020 in Cork. I mean, he was regularly observed, as they put it, in the company of many serious criminals and known drug dealers over the years. And, th- and that was something, you know, that that was put to Judge Owens, like in, in the cab case, that, you know, he wasn't a small time, mm-hmm. he wasn't a small time dealer. He wasn't, you know, uh, he wasn't somebody dealing with, you know, just, you know, selling enough drugs just to... to he wasn't to, selling to, on the street corner. On. He was doing it for profit. He yeah. was doing it for money, which kind of, you know, puts them at a different level. And the fact that he did have you know, his, his assets and, you know, they did, they seem to have access to decent cars and so on, none of which are in his name. But so you he know, was basically had his contacts who were serious criminals, largely in Dublin, in the major sort of heroin operations. And he was bringing down, they believed, drugs and probably wholesaling it onwards then within his local area. Yeah, I mean, well, look, that would be the pattern. Mm. Um, uh, and I suppose that the nature of these things, I mean, and, and you see it in, in other cases that, You'll have people at that sort of level. They will be the main dealer in a large area for a while, and and because of the nature of opiate addiction, people will come to the dealer and and buy their stuff or whatever. And it becomes very obvious very quick who the dealer is in the area, and they tend not to last. Um, and they certainly, you know, they'll they'll be picked up not handily, but you know, it, the the people at that point, even if they are the wholesaler, if they're, if they're the significant wholesaler in an area the chances are they're going to get caught at some point. So there is a bit of mix and match and change um, in that regard. And I guess, you know, this is where he is now. Like he's he's serving his time now for, for, for that last arrest. And of course, the, you know, around that time, 2020 and shortly before it, I think the prolific wholesaling of the family had put them under the eye of the Drugs and Organised Crime Bureau. And they were certainly under surveillance and remain under quite heavy surveillance, their activities. Um, which in turn then allows officers see who they are supplying to. So the likes of O'Donovan is probably caught up in that net. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we, we've all done that a little bit ourselves when you sit out and do a little stakeout trying to get a photograph of somebody and then you realise, oh, hang on, yeah, somebody else completely different that you weren't even thinking about is going into the same place and it kind of changes the entire nature of the story. And I'm sure if you consider that the guards do this on an industrial s- scale compared mm-hmm. to our our hobbyist cottage version of it, like, you know, um, you, you can imagine like how much useful information they get if they're running, you know, a big uh, surveillance operation on a, on a serious drug gang who think, you know, uh, you know, who think that they're trying to hide their activities by using people, you know, three degrees of separation away. But I mean, so many people in Ireland, you know, tend to be related to other people. Um, you know, and it's like everybody is somebody's next door neighbor, um, you know, and, and in Ireland, you get to that next door neighbor a lot quicker than you would in, I don't know, London or, or New York or somewhere like that. So, I mean, it, it's, it's not a, it's not a great country for hiding your activities in, in that regard. So, I mean, you know, a, a concerted surveillance operation on any gang is going to, is going to yield a lot of results very quickly. Absolutely. And what about Cork? Are you seeing many cases coming up before the courts? No, really, no. I mean, like these days, uh, I mean, a lot of, I mean, we've had some of our, our, you know, our old regulars like still floating around in, you know, based, you know, in the north inner city and and, and Dublin. Um, But otherwise, like you were starting to see the fruits of kind of the concerted effort to to tackle the Limerick uh, money laundering. Mm. Um, and and that's that's it's kind of really shown like you know how wholesale how business like they had become that they had gotten over the whole 
feuding and we're we're getting onto it. I mean, there was there was a couple of cases this week. Um, uh, Warren and Vicky o- Vicky O'Hare they were sentenced in the uh, special criminal court this week um, for fifty nine thousand euro of unexplained wealth that had gone into their home. They were found guilty, and there was a sentence hearing this week, and they haven't actually been sentenced yet. That's put further back. Um, Warren was very much putting up his hands there. He was described as being part of the Keen gang. Yeah. Um, you know, Christy Keane, that that faction, uh, you know, who would have been the Keane Colopy at one point, they're very much separated now. The Keanes aren't so much based in the island field now. And this has all come out that they're very much, you know, Gary Owen based. So, you know, you, you've had a, a Dermot Plum McManus, like, you know, is a guy that, you know, we wouldn't necessarily have heard of before, but like he's another trusted, you know, lieutenant of, of Christy Keane. So these guys are kind of, even though they mightn't be getting, you know, long sentences or or any as yet, but, you know, they're being dragged into the light and it does, it, it does affect their ability to operate. I mean, okay, 60,000, you know, euro, like in, in the case of the, of, of the hairs, it doesn't sound like a whole lot. It's I know, Sounds like it's, a lot to me. Well, it's, it's a, it's yeah, a but, but, it, yeah but it's a kilo of cocaine, yeah. like, you know, in, mm. in, in, in retail terms, yeah. like, you know, and it's, it's three kilos in wholesale terms for these guys. So it's not a whole lot mm. in terms of what, you know, the gangs are, are doing. I mean, we saw it with the, the Bone Motors case where it was, it was on a, you know, a, a much bigger scale, like it, the, the profits went from 5 million to 8 million within a year. So, you know, that's, you know, 13 million going through this, this basically bogus company that was set up specifically mm-hmm. to launder all the money. And you had people from both sides of the so-called feuding divide, you know, going through this board of governors that were, were running it, you know, and the likes of Plum McManus and, and Christy Keane at meetings with John O'Donoghue in, in, in Rathkeel to discuss all this. Like, you know, it re- you know and, and Shane Curtin, it really gives you a, 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 an insight into how they've been working. And, you know, and, and we've always suspected that. I mean, you and I always know that there has to be any amount of, of these guys who are running, you know, their own kind of businesses who are quite competent and they're able to stay out of range of the guards because they're not, you know, fighting on the street. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they don't have chaotic personal lives. They, you know, they, they look normal. They, they drop the kids to school. You know, they might disappear off to you know, off the scene look, for a couple of weeks at a time and, and always seem to have a lot of cash. But there's nothing else to suggest that they're doing anything dodgy. You know, they're, they're, okay, they, they buy cars at auction in, in the UK or they, they run a, a small... They take five holidays or, a year or, or something. Yeah, or, yeah, or, you know, <laughs> and spend 20 grand on, on, a, on a kid's 21st or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, they, otherwise they're not seen as, as, as being, you know, particularly dangerous they're not they're not doing the crazy stuff that you know we would have associated with say the Dundon brothers you know when they were you know yeah. ruling the roost in Limerick City they weren't you know these guys don't go around the place you know with an AK-47 in their hands like bare chested telling people they're the, the you know the king of the hill I mean they're far more in the background and know how to work things and and are probably involved in other you know more interesting uh, a crime from their point of view, like fraud, like buying property and then hiring them out to, you know, to vice gangs who are trafficking women. And it's all business. And, mm. you know, and it's just, and if you have money, you can make money. And if you're in, if you're one of these people who decides to cross the line and go into that, you'll make a lot of money. And you can, you can stay out of trouble, like if you're smart and if you're at it for long enough. But And the spend, like though, I mean, is like, it takes a lot of money to be able to spend 20 grand on a kid's christening or whatever, to go on those fancy holidays two, three times a year, to have all those other trappings, the Rolexes and all the rest of it. I mean, they're pulling in tax-free hundreds of thousands of euro a year and they're spending it. But but again, we've seen that in, you know, if you're going to go to Florida with your kids and, you know, your couple of aunts and cousins and you're going to spend whatever, you know, a hundred grand for, you know, 
three weeks or it would months. be that like and, yeah. and it would be and they do mm. do that um I, I mean there was a guy years ago uh, one of the guys linked with the Radican gang was was talking away for some reason and I said what do you do with all the money and he says well you know if, 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 if there's a shooting or something we have to bring all the family over to Lanzarote or somewhere and that cost that costs 18 grand a week <laughs> you know he says they don't stop drinking you know and you're, you're kind of funding them because you have to mind them you know you might have 20 cars but you know and they're parked all over the place and so the money these are guys that I suppose they were very busy, but they were at lower end. The money I mean, goes through their hands like water, mm. though. It's like they don't seem to have a long term plan for it. They can't obviously put the money into pension pots. They can't put it into the things that normal people do. But but um, even even if you're spending a hundred grand on a holiday in, yeah. in Florida, and even if you if you you know fly business class, you still have to use a credit card somewhere along the line. Mm-hmm. And what they've been doing is using kind of a third party, giving them the money and getting them to buy the tickets. And we're seeing those people now turning up in, in court cases saying, well, you didn't actually go on this holiday, but you know, Ross Browning, you know, went here and went there and you know, the flights booked for this person and that person, including, you know, and this all came out, we say, within Ross Browning's case. Yeah. You know, there, there was a, a, a relation of his then who who was, her credit card was generally used to, and even flew people in uh, for the for the uh, David Burns funeral, like on behalf of the Kinahans. So, I mean, you know, like you can't really hide cash. Like mm. it's, I mean, all you can do is give cash to people. There's always a like, trace there. But then, you know, if you have a car, all of a sudden, instead of the cash, you still have to explain where the, where the car came from under yeah. the Proceeds of Crime Act. So it, it's getting increasingly difficult. And there seems to be an increasing focus on money laundering and on going for that. Is it easy, you know what I mean, to prove going through the courts? Or is it an effort by the state to try and teach people that, you know, you can't help out these criminals or you're you're committing a crime yourself. It, it, it's, I think, all of that. Um, and it's not that it's gotten easier, but I think there, obviously, more and more officers have been through CAB and have seen how it works. And I'd say the knowledge of that is, is has spread to some extent. And that if you want to take on a gang in a particular area, start taking start taking the money off and take the cars, take the properties, if, if you can, if it's obvious, you know, uh, and even if it's not obvious, you know, put in the work. People know how, they know how to do it now. I mean, the forensic, you know, the forensic work, the accountancy work that goes into it is difficult and painstaking, but it's it's not impossible. Mm. Uh, and, and really, it, you know, from the other point of view, it's almost impossible to hide it. I mean, you can, you can hide it from a cursory glance. If, if somebody you're able to produce, you know, to somebody, oh, here's the receipt for this and here's the receipt for that. But they'll say, great, who gave you that receipt? They'll go back then to where that receipt came from. And then they'll go back to where the money for that receipt came from. And then they go back to where that money was withdrawn from. And, mm. you know, and they'll find... They'll follow the generally, money. They might, I'm sure they don't find it all, but yeah. they'll find enough of it to make it stick. Mm. And, you know, and, and it's about denying, it's about denying these gangs the, the, I suppose, the chance to enjoy the fruits of their success. So that, okay, they might, they might sell a certain amount of drugs. They have a certain amount of overheads. They got to pay people. Um, but like, you know, where are they going to go with all this cash? In some cases, you know, they literally have to stick it in a suitcase and drive somewhere else. It's chipping away, though, as well at the structures of the gangs, you know, taking the money, taking the assets and all the rest of it. And even going after them on, you know, for smaller crimes committed. Okay, a year sentence doesn't sound like very much, but he will be off the streets for a particular amount of time that will damage his business. Yeah, or someone will take over his business and push him further down the line and you know, that the next person taking up may, might be better, they might be less efficient, but at least they'll have it in the back of their head. Well, I'm not going to get caught or, 
you know, the way he did, or they'll think they'll have done something better. But it's 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 hard to it definitely disrupts them. I mean, mm. it has to. Um, it I does. Mean, I mean, you, even going back to when the, a lot of the policing was focused on these terrorist cells, even when they got a kind of a, a guilty plea for, you know, membership of an organisation, somebody might get four years. Once they got enough of them and put them away for even three years, it seemed to break up those cells and then it would take them a long time to restructure themselves when they did get out. Yeah, and, and There was fallings out, obviously, then a paranoia goes into it and who's ratting on who and all that sort of damages. Yeah, and I mean, even as a, you know, to use a sporting analogy, if your star player gets injured or, you know, or if, you're, if your solid centre-back and goalie all of a sudden can't turn up anymore and you're starting to leak goals, like, you know, yeah. to the opposition. And, and that's what it's, that's, it is what it's about. It's about chipping away. And I mean, you know, I mean, I suppose you've even heard us like, you know, after the events last Thursday night, you know, for people want immediate results and they want to see immediate justice, but it doesn't work that way in, in a democracy. I mean, and, and policing is a 24 hour job. They, they need to, they need to work away at these gangs constantly. Um, and, you know, and, and I suppose in, in over the years, we've seen the issue where focus has drifted off for whatever reason. Uh, and then, you know, it suddenly comes back and, you know, there's major operations launched against against big drug gangs because they've just gotten too big and suddenly they've, they've crossed the line or, you know, it, their political will suddenly comes mm. into it and they're being, you know, people are being pushed to do it or suddenly given the resources that had been, they'd been denied to do previously. So, I mean, it is, it's a constant battle in that sense. And the idea that we're going to see a swift overnight you know, end of it all and, you know, mm. complete rout and victory of the forces of law and order and polite society, that's never going to happen Not because realistic. too many too many members of polite society like their little bit of, of cocaine at the weekends and too many people are, are sadly addicted to opiates and sometimes resort to, you know, heroin. You know, I mean, it's probably not a problem for the middle classes because they can go to a consultant and with, you know, dodgy neck pains or whatever and get their oxycontin. Some of them can afford it, you yeah. know. And, and you know, you can continue in heroin addiction until old age if you can afford it and it doesn't affect well, you're, your If you're getting the, the good stuff, if the pure stuff. stuff. But interesting to hear a story from Cork and, you know, a kind of a, a middle, mid-level guy, um, John Keith O'Donovan, and interesting to hear that he's had this run of bad luck. Yeah, and it's always good, I think, you know, in, in these communities that, you know, guys who are probably well-known as, you know, the, the local... Mr. Criminal, the Mr. Underworld, and to see them kind of lose out and, you know, get whatever they have taken off him is great. You Absolutely. know, people will see he's not a role model and what's what's there, what's in it in the long run. The cab always gives us good news, doesn't it? But hasn't hasn't disappointed this year anyway. Not indeed. Eamon Dillon, thank you very much. You're welcome, Nicola. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from Sundayworld.com, produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Claude Amini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.